Well, good morning, everybody. All right, let's uh, let's jump into God's word together. We're going to be back in Matthew chapter six today. Uh, a little while, we'll dance around a little bit. But uh, last time we began a series on prayer that we're calling "Pray Big." The idea here is uh, we want to get up out of our circumstances and pray for the things that God's heart is about. You know, we learned from Jesus how to pray. He said, uh, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And I wonder how much of our prayers are that big. How, how much of our prayers are out of our current circumstances and are bigger than the moment. So we're aiming to become people of prayer and specifically people who pray big. So I introduced this series last week, but what I want to do is call us to um, a, a focused sort of season of prayer. Um, beginning today, what I want to invite you to do is about three weeks, so about 21 days of daily, intense, focused prayer. And uh, as Tucker mentioned earlier, we, we gave some resources out to help guide that. This morning, I, I used those myself, um, just set, set those little papers out in front of me, had my Bible there. And spent some time with the Lord and it was powerful, really beautiful time in prayer with Jesus. I want to encourage you um, that those tools and those resources are for you so that your prayer time will be fruitful and will be uh, meaningful and intentional. So um, if you will commit to maybe 21 days, three, the next three sermons today and two more weeks teaching, we're teaching on prayer. But if you'll pray daily and take that time on your own, I think that will be incredibly helpful for you. Um, so we spent time last week really fleshing out what Jesus says when he says we pray like this, our Father in heaven. And uh, specifically what we talked about is that we see two truths about God here. We see that he's our Father, that he cares and secondly, that he's in heaven, that, that he can. He, he's a God who's both personal and he's powerful. Those two realities give us great confidence as we come to God to pray. We know that he's listening because he cares like a father cares. And we know that he's able to meet the needs that we bring to him. We talked about this last week. I just want to say it again. Jesus said this. Whoever abides in me and I in him. It is he who bears much fruit. Listen to these words. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. nothing. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And prayer is the action that proves you believe that. That we need connection and intimacy with God. We need God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So our focus today will be on the purpose of prayer. Last week we talked about the one to whom we pray. And today I want to talk about why do we pray? Why pray? What does prayer really accomplish and why do we do it? It seems like it would be, you know, a, a kind of a dumb question, but it's, it's not. A lot of people honestly don't, don't pray very much. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we find that um, we, we say grace over meals. We maybe offer a, a short prayer at bedtime. Uh, with our kids or, or maybe in the in the moment of traffic, you, you top the hill going 70 miles an hour and all you see is a sea of brake lights and immediately prayer comes out. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, God. Right. You call out to God in, the, in a moment of fear or terror. 
I hope those are the words that come out of your mouth. I hope you're praying. Uh, life life kind of has some abrupt moments, and uh, maybe in those moments of fear, that's what happens. You call out in fear. Um, I think there's a place for that. I really do. That the Lord is with us when we're afraid. Maybe for some, prayer is not just your 911. But maybe prayer is like your spiritual Santa list. And uh, you, you come to God with your wish list. You've got this long list of things you want to see him do. And, you, you know, you're constantly presenting that list to God. Or maybe it's, you know, a daily list of needs for your family and friends. Again, nothing terribly wrong with these things. But when we think of prayer only as a divine wish list, we're missing the main idea. The main idea. So praying for everyday needs and issues and even momentary fear and terror. These are, these are good things. Lifting up others in prayer. It's right. Asking God for stuff and asking Him to do something special. All that is biblical. It's good. But surely prayer has a deeper purpose. Bigger purpose. Well, at the end of Matthew 6... Where Jesus taught how to pray, the end of Matthew 6, he gives some better, uh, more fuller instructions when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. What we see here is that Jesus puts a priority on what we pray for. Why, Why do we Pray. What's the purpose? It's to seek the kingdom, right? So what I hope we see today is that the primary aim of purpose is not or primary aim of prayer is not just to get something from God or to get God to do something for us. Rather, prayer is to be with God. And I want you to think about that for a moment. If prayer is really just about being with him, is it worth it? So often in prayer, I think we miss the forest for the trees. We get so caught up and consumed in all the details that we end up missing the main point. Relationship with our God. Jesus teaches us to call on God as what? Our Father. So from the jump, prayer is all about relationship from the get go. Right. So prayer is the way to enjoy and deepen our relationship with God, talking to our father, expressing our hearts to him, trusting him with our hurts and struggles. And yes, asking him for stuff. All this is right. But we should be clear Our greatest need is not to get stuff from God or to get God to do stuff for us. Our greatest need is to get to know God himself. So turn your attention, if you will, back to Matthew chapter six. And um, let's read together from Matthew six. I'm testing. We stand in honor of God's word, so would you do that? I know you just got comfortable. 
When we read the scriptures, we want to stand, um, and then you can, I promise, be seated after that. So, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 5, and we'll just read through verse 15. Jesus giving his uh, teaching, his Sermon on the Mount. And he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you created the heavens and the earth. All of nature does your bidding. And yet, you know the hairs on our head. You keep this earth spinning perfectly in its place. And you keep our hearts beating in rhythm. You are great and mighty and glorious and bigger than we could ever imagine and yet still so close and intimate. Father, we need you today. Would you make us a praying people? Lord, I want to know you more. Deeper and more than ever before. Will you meet us here in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this week, um, my middle daughter, Reagan, came running up the stairs in the house and she ran into the kitchen and she grabbed hold of my leg and just started hugging me and she looked up at me and batted her eyes and said, Daddy, I love you so much. Do you know what I said? What do you want? <laughs> right? You knew it, right? Yeah. And you'd think we'd grow out of that. Um, but here I am, uh, I'm 40 years old, and when I call my mom, she answers the phone. She says, hey, Justin, when do you need me? <laughs> Sometimes that's the way she 
just, I have to say, no, Mom, I just, I called, I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to say hello. Could you come on Friday? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Friday would be great, you know. Um, <laughs> Jesus says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So it really provokes the question, doesn't it? If God already knows, then why pray? And this is where we are really on the verge of a huge discovery about prayer. And what we learn is that prayer is not to inform God. There's nothing you could say that would tell him something new. He's not listening to you and going, I've never thought of that. Our prayers are not to inform God. They are to involve God. It's to welcome Him into life. It's to bring Him into relationship and be involved in our world. So what is prayer for? I wanted to go through a few things today. This will not be an exhaustive list, uh, but I do want us to cover a few things that I believe will be helpful and true. The first thing I want us to see from this text is that prayer is for relationship. Prayer is for relationship. Jesus says, do not pray like the hypocrites. They, they pray in public. They use big fancy words to impress people. Can, think for a minute with me about that, would you? We have this tendency. That's the reason Jesus warns against it. It's, it's a sign, I think, of, of how deep our depravity goes. That the very... Thing God has given us to cry out for help and to be needy and to be humble before him, we use it for our pride. Rather than come to God in brokenness, pleading for his help, we, we, we pray to stand in front of people to show off. Using what God has given for relationship more for a platform. Well, Jesus says they have received their reward, doesn't he? So sure, I mean, if you pray this way, people might be impressed. People might be real proud of you. They might think highly of you. And Jesus says, and that is your reward. Pride can even ruin prayer. So Jesus warns us not to be that way. But then he promises something else. Do you notice that? He says, if you go in your room and you close the door and you pray to your God who's in secret, you pray to him in secret. He sees you. That's beautiful. And he will reward you. He will reward you. Notice the contrast. Those who pray in public to be seen, to impress others, they have their reward. It's the praise of men. But if you go into the private place 
and you meet with God, he says, God sees you and he will reward you. What we see here is that the reward of private prayer to God is personal relationship with God. The reward of private prayer is relationship with him. It's his nearness. When you pray, you are receiving your reward. It's not the praises of man. It's the presence of God. God himself is with you. He hears you. He sees you. And this is where we discover that prayer is not mainly to get something. It's to know someone. Knowing God is the goal of prayer. This is what I meant earlier about missing the forest for the trees. We get so caught up in our list and our request and our desperation of cries that we miss the point altogether. In prayer, we are we're experiencing what we lost in the Garden of Eden. Does that make sense? In the Garden of Eden, you remember God walked with Adam and Eve and they experienced beautiful fellowship in the cool of the day. I love that. They walked with God, talked with Him, had relationship with Him, but then sin came and that fellowship was severed, it was broken. And from then on, there was a separation between God and man. He was distant from us, far from us. And only through sacrificial systems and via a priest, we could only only hear from God through a prophet and we could only speak to God through a priest. And then Jesus came. And in Christ, that separation, that veil in the temple was torn. And we have now we now have access to come boldly to God. So when we pray, listen, church, we pray to the father through the son by the Holy Spirit. God has given us an incredible gift in prayer. It's the gift of his presence. Knowing God is the goal of prayer. One of the most sobering passages in all the Bible is maybe on the next page. We're in Matthew 6. If you look in Matthew 7. Jesus explains that on the day when the kingdom of heaven comes, there will be many who did lots of really good things. But Jesus will say to them, depart from me, for I never what? Knew you. Matthew 7, verse 23. Depart from me, for I never knew you. It's one of the most sobering, maybe scary even, verses in all the Bible. These people are surely surprised. They're shocked. Thought they knew, thought they knew God. Thought, thought they had a relationship with Him. Jesus' point could not be clearer. Our priority in this life is to know Christ and to be known by Him. To have a real relationship with God. Not just to do things for Him or come to church or give money or whatever it may be. All those things are fine. They're, they're fine. But they're nothing apart from knowing Christ. At the risk of 
splitting the room. Let me use a little illustration. If I said to you, I know Nick Saban. Yeah, thank you. Uh, If I said, I know Nick Saban, you might look at me like, whatever. I say, yeah, I know what he looks like. I mean, I've been watching this guy coach football for years. Like, if I hear if I hear him doing, a, I know it's his voice. I don't even have to see his face. I can recognize his voice. I know him. I know him that well. I know it. But does he know me? Not a clue. Paul figured this this thing out, this whole deal that knowing Christ is the main priority, is the goal of all of life. In Philippians 3, he says that everything he's achieved might as well be garbage. Everything he'd done in his life is worthless. He actually said, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. Everything is loss apart from knowing Christ. So Jesus begins this model prayer. He's teaching us to pray. And he begins it this way. Begin praying like this, he tells his disciples. Our Father. Our Father. And right from the beginning, Jesus is telling you, this thing is about relationship. It's about knowing him and being known by him and enjoying a relationship with him. He is our Father. We, if you're a believer in Jesus, you've been adopted into God's family. John chapter 1 verse 12 says that to all who received him, he is given the right to become children of God. I learned something this week I found to be really interesting. I hope this is a blessing to you that the name Father is only used for God 15 times in the Old Testament. 15 times. And not one of those times are people told to call out to him as father. Not once in the Old Testament. So Jesus is doing something revolutionary here when he tells us to pray and call on God as father, our father. And the disciples caught it because in the four gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. God is called Father 165 times. And almost all of those are calling out to Him. Relational prayer, calling on God as Father. Prayer is for relationship. Maybe for you, your prayer life is lacking because it is limited just to a list or you jump right into asking God for things or asking him to do things. And, and maybe he's like, hey, I, I, I'm happy to help, but I just really just want to be with you. Like, let's just spend some time together. Prayer is for relationship. Secondly, prayer is for rescue. Rescue. When we pray, we are humbling ourselves before God. That's the whole activity of prayer. It it is a posture of humility. When we pray, maybe maybe you get on your knees or maybe you get on your face, even prostrate before God and you you're crying out to him and as a from a place of need. 
The reason, again, we pray to God is because we need Him. So it it's, comes from a place of humility. So listen, if prayer is humility, then prayerlessness is evidence of pride. When we don't pray, it's as if we're saying, God, I don't need you. I got this. These first disciples, they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. So get it for for a second. They literally needed his help to ask for his help. That's how deep they understood their need. The truth is, you can't even take another breath without divine intervention. You won't make it home today unless God gets you there. Your heart will stop beating unless God keeps it pumping blood through your body. You may not think you need God, but the truth is you're just ignorant to how much he is sustaining you, even in this moment. Your very life is sustained by God himself. So prayers for rescue, a real relationship with God always begins in the desperate prayer of broken people, people who are broken over their sin. We first recognize that we're sinners. It's because we've recognized that God is holy. And when we see God for who he is, we we immediately just can't help it. We see ourselves for who we really are. I think specifically about Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah talks about an experience where he came into the presence of God and he he says there's the cherubim. These angels are flying, you know, uh, two wings are flying, two are covering their eyes and two are covering their feet and they're hovering around. It's just the whole scene is Majestic, And he comes into the presence of God. And you know what his first response is to this great holy God? His first response is to say, woe is me, for I am unclean. And there's something about encountering God that just reveals our desperate need for him. Relationship with God always begins from the desperate prayers Of people who are broken over their sin. I think about the psalmist in Psalm 40. It's one of my favorite psalms. And what he says as he says, as for me, I am poor and needy. That's the heart of a person who's beginning a relationship with this God. All who come to him in faith. Come to him needy. I say this all the time, but. All you need is need. If you don't think you need God, then you won't have a relationship with him. Every one of us come to him needy or we don't come at all. Let me tell you a beautiful promise. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I've known about him, but I don't know if I know him. Maybe you know God like I know Nick Saban, right? If that's the case, And I want you to know something. You you are a sinner and God is holy 
But he will welcome you into his family through the death of his son. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he will adopt you in as his own child. And all that happens through your broken hearted prayer. Right? Romans 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth that the Lord, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So prayer is for rescue. It goes on to say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is incredible promise of being rescued and brought into the family of God. So maybe when you pray, it feels like you're just talking to a brick wall because you've never had a real relationship with God. And if that's the case for you, call out to him today. He is still saving people. Amen, church. God promises to save everyone who will humble themselves Recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior. And whoever will call on Him, He will rescue. So prayer is for rescue. Prayer is for releasing control. So here's where most of us need to perk up and get serious. In prayer, we bring our worries, our stress, our fears, our doubts, our depression, our struggles, our fill in the blank. We bring all of it to Jesus and we lay it down. God will take it all, all of it, if you will leave it there. The last half of Matthew 6, you know, Jesus teaches us this little poem of prayer that most of us have memorized. But don't disconnect it from the last half of his teaching. Four times in the, in the rest of this chapter, he says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. But trust in your father. Trust in the father. He cares and he can. Jesus is constantly teaching. Do not be anxious. Anxiety stirs up in our hearts. Listen. When we try to take control. Jesus gives us a clue in verse 30, what's at the root of all our anxieties. He says, don't be anxious, trust in God, O you of little faith. And what we realize is that anxiety is actually connected to the amount of trust that we have in our God. Are you trusting God or yourself? And if you are anxious, I can tell you the answer. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do you see how the the writer here says that to trust in the Lord means you have to abandon your own reliance. To rely on God means you can't be self-reliant. To release control to Him means you can't be taking control. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. You're either trusting the Lord with all your heart or you're leaning on what you think is best. When you take control, you're not trusting Him to handle it. And the fruit of that lack of faith is anxiety. And Jesus says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. 
Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, he says the same thing. It's a really great teaching with some practical helps for us. And here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Well, that's interesting. Doesn't God already know right before we ask? What does that mean? We'll talk about it. But then Paul says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want you to get from Paul's teaching here. When you're anxious and you will be when you're anxious, prayer is the bridge to peace. You can move from anxiety to peace as you pray. It's because you come to God and you release control. You say, Lord, I don't I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm thinking about the king in Second Chronicles, chapter 20. A great army is coming against him in Jehoshaphat. He's he's scared. He knows they're about to be totally devastated because they're a massive army. And he has a very small group and he looks out and he's like, oh, no. But I love the way he prays in Second Chronicles 20. He looks to God. He says, Lord, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And this is the prayer of releasing control. It's to say, God, I I can't handle this without you. I need you to take over. I don't know what to do, Lord, but my eyes are on you. Prayer is humility and action. It says, God, I can't, but you can. And I'm trusting that you will let it go. Prayer is remembering his blessings. Do you see that in the middle of Paul's teaching here in Philippians 4? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Well, in order to be thankful, what do you have to do? You have to remember his goodness. Isn't it great that in the middle of an anxious moment, Paul says, you know what you need to do? You need to be thankful. (laughs) Because he's forcing you to go and think outside of the moment. To God's repeated goodness time and time again. He's saying by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, remember God who's been faithful and trust him today. And then he says, let your requests be made known to God. God already knows. So what does this mean? It means entrust them to God. It's not just informing him. As we said, it's involving him. It's saying, God, I'm I'm asking you to come into this. I'm asking you to get involved here. I'm entrusting this to you. I'm not carrying the burden of this anymore. I need you. So prayer is to release control and trust that he knows your need. Church, you can either have control or you can have peace. But you cannot have both. You get peace when you release control. And you trust in God. I love Psalm 37, 5. Very simply says this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act. It's a beautiful scripture. So prayer is for releasing control. And lastly... Prayer is for rest. Very simply here, listen to the words of Jesus. 
Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Church, you know this. You know this. This life is not easy. Anybody amen? Amen. This life is not easy. You're going to be weary. You're going to be heavy laden. It's going to be hard. There will be difficult days. So what do we do in those moments? Come to me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. Yoke up to Jesus. I don't know if you know the imagery of a yoke. I I don't very well. I didn't grow up on a farm. I'm not a real man like that. Uh, don't even have a pair of boots. Um, I need a pair. Gift idea. But here's what I do know. You yoke up to Jesus. What you're saying is this work is too hard for me. And Jesus says, I got it. I got this. Take his yoke upon you. He can handle your burden. I can personally assure you. The Lord can handle it. Come to Jesus. Find rest for your soul. I want you to notice something in Matthew 11. He will not force you into submission. He actually says of his own heart and character here. For I am gentle and lowly. He will not force you. He beckons you. Come to me. And then he asks you again. Now take my yoke. These are requests from a gracious God. You must come. And you must yield to his lead. And only then in him will you find true rest. So let me ask you, what's your need? What's the need of your heart today? I mean, is it, do you need rescue? Do you need to call out to God for salvation today? Do you need rest? Is this a moment where you just need to come to him and say, Lord, this is heavy. I I just can't handle this. All of us, what we need in prayer is relationship. I want to challenge you. Don't miss the forest, the main point for the trees. Don't get lost in the lists. Be with your God. He will meet you in the secret place and he will be your reward. So a couple of action steps from Jesus. Set aside a time for prayer. If you're going to be serious these next 21 days to pray, you're going to use those guides and things we're giving you. Set aside a time. Don't just squeeze it in on your commute or in the shower. Oh, Lord, I got to pray. Oh, let me pray. Don't do that. Set aside a time. That shows this is your priority. Seek first the kingdom. I encourage you early in the morning. Set aside a time. Secondly, go to a place. Like if there's not a place in your house where you can go and find peace and be kind of alone. Believe me, it's tough. Right? In my house, there's people everywhere. It's tough. But to find a place to be with the Lord. Make it a priority. And then listen, here's the promise. Receive the reward, which is the presence of God. Let's pray.